Na 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 Welcome to the Knox Soccer Podcast, where we tell the soccer stories of our favorite big town, little city, Knoxville, Tennessee. This is the midseason review for the one Knoxville inaugural season. And boy, do we have a lot on this pod for you today. We have Dakota Booth, founding member of the Scruffs and social media extraordinaire of this humble podcast. He gives his card take of the away match at Johnson City against Tri-City Otters. Then we check in with the gaffer himself, Mark McKeever on how the team are feeling at the midpoint of the season, as well as coming home to Marable College. Then Brian Canover picks up the mic and waxes a poem for a tormented dispatch. This pod is going to be a good one, everybody. But before we get into it, here is the rallying call. Dear listener, let's turn out for this Saturday's match, June 18th against Peachtree City at Marable College to welcome home the lads. Then, on Tuesday, we will all be traveling to Asheville for the second installment of the Smoky Mountain series. And I do say we because Brian and I will be there. Dear listener, pause this pod right now and get your tickets for this one. Link is in the show notes because the Blue Mountain Boys need us to be there, to be the 12th man, to avenge our season opener and put us at the top of the table. Being there for this match will be worth that late night drive home because the lads and the gaffer will play this one like it's a cup final. A quick note, Asheville City played their game in hand last night to Southern Soccer Academy. The game ended 1-1, putting Asheville at the top with 20 points. And your one Knoxville SC, boys in blue, are second with 19. If that doesn't get you excited about this Tuesday night match, nothing will. All right, let's get on to this pod. Dakota, take it away. What's going on, everybody? This is Dakota reporting for the Knox Soccer Pod directly after a 4-0 win for our Blue Mountain Boys in Johnson City at TVA Credit Union Ballpark against the Tri-Cities Otters. And that feels really good off the back of a 1-1 draw in Dalton on Saturday night. And I'll tell you, in the spirit of the Knox Soccer Pod, I am doing this in my car. So the car pods live on, even though it's just me. So I got to the stadium about 25 minutes before kickoff and you know there was a a good amount of people in the stadium for this level and I say for this level because what we have created as a community as a city for the home matches for one Knox is top tier and it's next level and it's nothing like anything else you see in our division, in our league, potentially even in the country outside of, you know, teams that play in NFL stadiums. Kudos to all of you listening for helping be a part of creating that atmosphere that our boys get to play in every home match. And let's let's keep that up. The weather was incredible, which is great off of, you know, the weather issues that our boys have faced in the recent weeks. However, there was still a delay to the start of the match, and it was a really weird thing. So our boys came out in their away strip, the cream tops, the blue shorts, the blue socks, and being someone who lives in Johnson City, I know that the Otters normally play in blue. 
and they said that they were going to play in blue. However, they walked out in white tops and green shorts and white socks, which is pretty tough on the eyes to tell apart between a white shirt and a cream shirt. So that meant that one of the teams had to wear pennies because of the color situation. And because the otters were the ones who kind of made the mistake, they had to wear pennies. So all of a sudden they were wearing pink pennies and green shorts and white socks and that solved the color issue and we were able to kick off the game. And this game got off to kind of a fast start with one Knox really kind of being all over Tri-Cities, but unable to find the back of the net. The post was hit, there was a couple shots that went right over the crossbar, and then Tri-Cities got some momentum. They were really putting the pressure on our back line and on our, on our keeper, but the lads were able to keep the ball out of our net. And then things started happening going forward for one Knox. They happened really quickly. Uh, the first goal was scored by Steven Afrifa. He used his incredible pace to track down a ball that he had poked forward and then was able to lift it right over the keeper with a little toe poke to send it home for the first goal. Just a couple minutes later, Max McNulty found the back of the net, but his goal was made from the midfield by Moses Mensa. Moses was able to win the ball back around midfield, dribble around a couple of players, send in a really nice cross, which Max found and hit the back of the net. And then things were moving so fast that I honestly missed the third goal by Bernardo Montiero. Not even really sure what happened. All I know is that the ball went into the back of the net and boom, in four minutes, we've scored three goals and we're coasting into halftime. Uh, when that halftime whistle hit, it was 3-0, to the Blue Mountain boys, and it was pretty much done and dusted at halftime. However, when the guys came out, the energy was still high. They wanted to, to push on and find some more goals, and that's exactly what happened. Right before the fourth goal was scored by Lucas Tunison, Moses Mensa dribbled through, let's say, half the defense, five, six players, and curled a nice left-footed shot from the top of the box, which was saved by the keeper. A few minutes later, our very own Sonny found the back of the net to make it 4-0, to the good guys. And a little bit after that, we saw XV himself, number 15, Heath Martin, very first person to wear the number 15 shirt, which is reserved now for local lads, made his debut and he nearly scored on his debut. He made some really nice moves, was able to win the ball back and keep possession. However, you can tell that he's still kind of getting to know the guys that he's playing with as there were a few little mishaps here and there. But overall, a really promising debut and we're looking forward to seeing what Heath Martin can bring into the side for the rest of the season. The lads played really well the whole match. I want to specifically say that they played really fluid, let's call it really sexy football for the last 20 or so minutes of the match. They were really confident. They were flying high. They were doing little tricks and dummies, heel flicks, just all sorts of really attractive football playing the way that we know that they can and certainly the way that the gaffer knows that they can. So all in all, great evening to be out watching our one Knox boys. They're headed home with all three points, putting them back at the top of the table, level with Asheville City. That game in two weeks is starting to look bigger and bigger as the days get closer. This has been Dakota, potting from my car. Looking forward to seeing you guys soon. And remember, there's only one Knoxville. This episode shout out goes to one of our reviews on Apple Podcasts. Boom Boom Listener says, love the topic. Awesome hosts that bring a great energy. Looking forward to hearing more from these guys. They definitely hit the back of the net with this one. 
Thanks, Boom Boom listener, for those kind and energetic words. We love hearing from everybody about the pod and what they've enjoyed. So we're going to start a new thing. Please rate and review us and tell us where you're listening from. Let that be Powell, Farragut, or London, England. We want to hear from you and what you've enjoyed about the show. And we'll give you a shout out on a future episode. It's going to be fun. But the true question is, do we have listeners of every neighborhood in Knoxville? How about 10 countries? Let us know and we'll shout you out. All right, back to the episode. Hey, everybody. Brian Canevet here. And today I'm speaking to Mark McKeever, head coach of One Knoxville SC. One day after the third of a run of four successive away matches for the club, Tuesday night, McKeever's men traveled up I-81 to face the Tri-Cities Otters, who they bested 1-0 at home in their second game of the season. This time, the boys did three better, pulling off the 4-0 victory on the road. Mark, how do you feel about the performance against Tri-Cities? Yeah, um, we've, we've been using uh, two words as our stamp uh, this season, and uh, it's been repetitive from uh, previous teams that I've worked with, but the two words are uh, to be ruthless and relentless, uh, and I feel as though that was the first 90 minutes where we presented those two factors. I, I honestly, you know, without... Uh, yeah, without sounding arrogant or bad to, to try cities, I, I honestly felt as though we should have went in five nothing up at half time. And then probably it could have been another four or five in the second half. So I feel as though four nothing is not a true reflection on how good we actually were. Okay, so you started the season with three of the team's first four matches taking place at home. Those were a 2-1 loss to Asheville in the season opener, followed by a victory over the Otters 1-0. A rain-soaked away trip to Tennessee Soccer Club for a 1-0 victory in awful conditions and on May 28th which already seems like forever ago a 4-1 demolition of the Dalton Red Wolves with all four goals scored by none other than Big Seba Andreasen. How did you and the coaches then prepare your guys for a stretch of four games over two weeks without that home support that was so effusive earlier in the season? Yeah so obviously we'll, we'll just get past the, the third one. The first one uh, going away to Tormenta crazy adversity and why we had to do that um, somebody else will have to answer that question. And if you get a good answer from them, I'd be very surprised. But, you know, the league have, have made us go there uh, 48 hours after playing. Uh, then you jump on a bus for six hours and then you play against one of the top teams. There's something not right there. It's just really, really poor standards. However, we rose to those poor standards and we we met the adversity face on. You know, uh, we came from behind twice and notched the, the winner. Uh, we were deserved winners. We deserved the three points we created more chances we had more of the ball Tormenta are a very good team though you know uh, massive respect for them and the players that they have in their system that they're doing and I, I was really really happy to come away but then the boys after two games and 48 hours with six hours journey there which turns into nine after you stop and eat with 20 players we get back at eight o'clock in the morning why any human being should be asked to do that is you know it boggles my mind we did it and we've succeeded regardless of who threw which adversity we had a little bit of a weather delay in there as well and so the field was soaking wet no bounce on it the field is bigger than we play on obviously it was our first time playing in grass yeah there, there was masses and masses of adversity but again we, we, we have a lot of character a lot of different characters in this group those characters gel to make that special moment and a special bus journey back to Tennessee alright so I was tuned into the streams for Tormented Dalton and Tri-Cities and yes. Let's just say they weren't the quality one Knoxville fans have been used to from the home broadcast produced by the club and by Big Slate Media. So unless you were one of those lucky few scruffs who traveled, it was hard to capture everything that was happening on the field. Let's start with 
with that Tormenta game. We're not going to see Tormenta in Knoxville this season, uh, but they were the division's number two team last season, conference finalist, former division and conference champion. On paper, to me at least, it looked like this was going to be one of the toughest matches of the regular season. And you went in there despite going down twice in the second half in those conditions that you described, pulled off a remarkable 3-2 victory with the game winner by Zion Andrade in the last 10 minutes of the game. Can you talk me through that performance? How did you prepare the team considering that quick turnaround that you mentioned? And how do you feel like they did coming off that big win over Dalton previously? Yeah, there was a lot of new players in the team from uh, who performed in, in Saturday. And obviously, we had to make that rotation because it was it'd be insane to ask anybody to play the, the, the two 90 minutes and 48 hours. So we had to ro- rotate the squad, which depletes the, the quality a little bit, you know, depletes the connections a little bit. But the guys that went uh, performed magnificently well. And in, in the first half, I felt as though we had the better chances. Um, they had a couple of shots from distance, uh, but we have been the most creative team. Um, I think that, yeah, the stamp on the game was Tormenta were set up to stop us playing and catches, and we were set up to go get them. And we went to get them and we just didn't have that final product in the first half. In the end, it turned out to be a game of set pieces, didn't it? Uh, you know, the the second ball scenarios, uh, first and second balls is what they scored on. And, and same for us, you know, and, and the winner's been scored by, you know, uh, ah, it, it wasn't, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a goalkeeper mistake in their part. The goalkeepers came and clashed into one of his players, which happens at set pieces and, and Zion's had enough uh, enough quality to, to put the ball into the back of the net with his technique from that distance. So that was uh, it's one of the most pleasing away results that I've had in the USL too, for sure. With the distance, with the adversity, with the weather, with the, and it was just it was crazy adversity. Crazy. From there, you visited Dalton, which you had beaten comfortably at Knoxville Catholic. And this was a grueling match. The team went down 1-0 to a PK by Enzo Maurice in the 51st minute. 10 minutes later, Finn McRobb, who we're, we're calling the Big Red Wall, uh, who's been one of your most consistent players, was named to this week's best 11 for the entire USL2. He equalized. It didn't look like that first Dalton match. It, it didn't look like even the comeback in the second half against against uh, the Tormenta. How did you feel about the team's performance uh, overall? How did you feel about the tie? Yeah, um, Dalton, we, we came away from Dalton with a tie and, you know, it almost felt like a loss because I felt as though we had the quality of player that was better than their quality of player. And I think that shows in the results. However, again, masses of adversity. There's, there's a lot of factors there that didn't make sense. Now, then you go into the playing surface and the playing surface is really small. It's really hard. It's really rubbery and probably the worst surface I think we may have played on. You know, they had to play in the surface as much as we did. So we can never make that an excuse. I felt as though we really underperformed. I felt as though 50%, 50% of our squad that went into that game didn't reach their own potential and we're far away from being average even to their own potential. So we were disappointed. The positive is we've come from behind to snatch a point. So I don't know, you you walk away thinking, did we just uh, gain a point or did we just lose two points? I know from a coaching perspective, I definitely felt as though it was two points lost. I think if you had to see the atmosphere in the bus on the way home, I think it was definitely the player's perspective that we had lost the two points. And I think that's good from their point of view. So it was a really scrappy match. The match was, uh, yeah, was really lacking in quality. I think uh, we were faced with, you know, mostly clearances. It was long balls. Uh, there was no flow to the game. Obviously, with the bouncy surface, that adds to that. 
Um, you look at the, the GPS monitors and the ground covered was less, but that's because probably the ball was in the air more than it was on the ground. And, <laughs> and it's a way that Dalton set up to play, I think, is uh, it was to stop us playing, you know. The, there was a lot of fouls in that first 15, 20 minutes, which kind of made it clear and set the tone. And fair plays to Dalton. I, I mean, I have to commend them because we had no shots in goal. I mean, we didn't bother their goalkeeper. So credit to them for their, their attitude after losing. 4-1 they've come out and they've fought for their lives and they've made it very very hard yeah I can only compliment them for their effort they yeah they stopped us playing they did it successfully yeah on top of that I don't think we helped ourselves because we didn't uh, we didn't achieve our potential or even close to it again disappointed with us uh, respect to Dalton for coming out and giving it their best crack and stopping us and yeah maybe maybe they see that as a point gain maybe they see it as two points dropped I don't know I was disappointed with that one but yeah number of factors again very very, very adverse, which we expect on the road every time now. And the response came last night against Tri-City. So earlier in the week, the team made the announcement that Heath Martin, a Knoxville-born player who had most recently played for forward Madison in the USL 1, had signed. That's the second former pro after Cam Vickers to make the switch back to amateur status in order to play for you. There was a lot of excitement going into this one with the chance to gain some cushion just beside Asheville in those two top playoff positions with the win and the team went out and barnstormed the host three goals in a four minute stretch from the 33rd to the 36th minute and then a fourth late in the game from Lucas Sunison. we continued to see player rotation in the match like we have throughout the season uh, the Portuguese Benny Monteiro and Sunison got their first goals of the season and it looked like one Knoxville was never really troubled did the result reflect how well you felt the team played on the night did it feel like the culmination of this tough away stretch where you got one win one tie and then the blowout victory last night yeah, yeah I, th- I think with the yeah the lack of points that we gained in Dalton obviously fueled fueled their fire a little bit we asked the guys for a response we asked the guys to show uh show their quality and you know that again was a completely adverse uh situation we showed up and we had a problem with Tri-Cities who had told us they were going to wear a specific type of shirt which obviously influences our colour of shirt. And we show up and two shirts are the same. You know, without saying too much, we have a player who's colourblind. That was not acceptable for us. Now the league have told them you have to play in pennies. So it was a very frustrating start. Then the goals, it seemed as though they were like from the 1970s. Brian, they moved. The distance at the bottom of the goals was probably a foot smaller than the distance at the top of the goals at the crossbar. That shouldn't happen again, you know, and and then we're playing in a field that is half turf and half grass, which is what it is. But the the surface from the grass to the turf, it it, it was a bit of an incline. Yeah, I mean, they had to play in it as much as we had to play in it. It's a completely adverse situation for our guys. A A lot of adversity they had to cope with again. But they rose to the occasion and they gave us nothing but quality. We pressed them, we came over, uh, overcame the, the adversity. The quality shone through. I go through every player on the team and everybody was at least a 7 out of 10. You know, and for many, we had 8 and 9s out of 10 in that team. The quality of football, the, the perseverance with the ball, the press to get the ball, the opportunities created, the ability to finish. I still think we should have won by seven or eight, Brian. And and, and I'm again, I don't I don't want to sound arrogant there, but we created so many good chances, and their keeper has probably been their best player and kept them in the game for a large part of it. Now, by the time this episode is released, it's likely the last of this four-game away stretch against SE Bantams will have been played. That game takes place on Saturday, June 11th in South Carolina. 
Bantams were the division champs last season, but they've struggled a bit so far this season, losing to Peachtree City and this week on the road to Dalton. What do you expect for this last match of the away stretch? Yeah, I will use that word one more time. Adversity. <laughs> At the highest level, the Bantams play in a different type of field. But listen, Lee's a fantastic coach and he's, he's successful year after year. And he knows what he's doing. He'll know his team. His team will be well organized, like they always are. They'll have a plan and they'll let's execute it to the fullest. And he'll have them approaching this game like a cup final. And hopefully, uh, yeah, I'd like to think I'll have my guys approach it like a cup final, obviously. And yeah, may, may the best team win. You know, we're going to go and try and snatch the three points. And I'm sure Lee will be, uh, yeah, he'll be desperate for the three points for his crew as well. But um you know, there's going to be a lot of teams beating other teams in this league, quite simply. Um, there's a lot of good teams in this division. Uh, I'll say it again, I think it's probably the toughest division in the country. You know, um, Bantams can go on a run and be undefeated for the rest of the season. They have that quality. Lee uh, has that knowledge. And, you know, they've went runs before and they can do it again. So they're by no means out of this, uh, <laughs> out of this race. They're just getting started. They're just getting started. So... They will see this as a chance to to spark their guys and ignite their fire for the rest of the season, uh, and I, I feel as though that we are probably going to approach it that way as well. It's it's, it's a one off game. They don't get they don't come here to play us. Again, another bit of adversity in the USL too. <laughs> you don't necessarily get to play teams home and away. You just take your pick by, by what the league provide basically. So this is the cards that we've been dealt, and we're going to play them as best we can. And with that being said, and considering the player rotation, which you've had happening throughout the season, the integration of newer players like Heath Martin, who just joined up with the team, are you preparing the the squad any differently for this last match? Uh, how are you getting them ready for, for this trip? That key word again, adversity, we've already had it this week with, uh, with the travel, obviously on Tuesday, but they've had that as well. Um, yesterday we had the weather in Knoxville, so some of the guys couldn't train, and then we had the weather this morning that was uh, very unpredictable, but... We got the guys out there, so we only really have one day to prepare. Um, so we need to get the guys accumulated tomorrow, and uh, yeah, but we we're going to work through some stuff tomorrow, and then jump in the bus on Friday, and then play Saturday. <laughs> so there's not really much time in terms of preparation. I think the preparation has been done through pre-season and the previous games that were played in the first half of the season. Now we're sneaking into the second second half of the schedule. So I would like to think there's a little bit more rhythm there's already the base there for everybody to to understand what the shape is how the press is so you know what we're doing right now again is is yeah still trying to tighten it up nuts and bolts but it's getting tighter and tighter so there's a wee bit of smaller rotations going on from game to game as well as probably you'll notice but um yeah just uh the same as another game there's nothing different that we're going to do this week that we, we have we have done in previous weeks now after the trip to to the bantams one Knoxville will get a full week of rest before welcoming Peachtree City to Maryville College. It will be the first of four home matches at Maryville, where I recently spoke to their head men's and women's soccer coach, Pepe Fernandez, about his more than three decades of building soccer community here in the Knoxville area. We're really excited to share that episode for people who aren't familiar with Maryville College and its history. How good is it going to feel for you to be in front of those rabid one Knoxville home fans again? Honestly, Brian, I, I've said it before. I, I think that, you know, we, we have been searching for 
you know, what what was our identity going to be? You know, what, what was it going to pan out to be? And I think uh, I, I think I said it in the last interview with with yourself. I feel as though that the one Knoxville fans are the club's identity. You know, um, they're, they're being brilliant. They make it fun. They make it enjoyable. Um, we lost that first game uh, against Asheville and they still come out in their droves to support us the next game, you know, and I feel as though if we'd lost the next game, they would have still came in their droves to support us again. So that's a special scenario. And, uh, you know, we are, we are trying our best to make those people happy. You know, we want to give, we want to give back to them. We want to, we want to give them a brand of soccer that they're going to enjoy coming to watch that, you know, they're, they're happy bringing their kids out to learn and to be educated from the process. So, it's a it's a great situation. We, we we love the fans. We love the atmosphere. They they make us very very happy to do what we do. We're at the midseason mark right now. Seven games in, you are tied for first in the table with Asheville on sixteen points. Of course, they have a game in hand. One Knoxville has lost once, drawn once, and and has won five times. You've got a plus nine goal differential, three clean sheets in seven matches. We know you're a proven winner. You've assembled a team of winners. Last year with Des Moines, you only lost once to Chicago United, and then you turned around and got that that game right back immediately after with a 4-0 win. You've talked to me about this team being a Ford Fiesta at the start of the season. You had an early hiccup, and there's been a lot of learning and assimilation happening over the past month. How do you feel overall about the season so far? Is it living up to your expectations? Is there stuff that you'd like to see from the team that you haven't seen yet? Do you have a message for the fans who've been salivating to see the boys in their in their mountain kits again in home territory? Um, what do you have to say halfway through this thing? Yeah, it's a strange one because I think uh, I think most coaches out there, you know, if you present to them, you know, would you be happy with five one and one halfway through the season? I asked the staff there, and uh, and both of them said yes, and and my answer is no. <laughs> So I don't know, like uh, maybe it's unrealistic, but I want the perfect perfect performance every time we train, every time we play. I want 100% winning records. You know, the chances of getting that are, you know, they're not always realistic, but it doesn't stop me wanting it and chasing it. And I feel the players feel that vibe as well. You know, losing isn't good enough. Tying isn't good enough. Understand it's part of the game. Am I happy with the boys and the progress? 100% because... Once again, if I had to talk you through the adversity from start to finish, where we started to where we're at right now, the list is absolutely massive and we're still winning. You know, uh, we look at look at it another way, Brian, and you've got the last six games, we've got 16 points out to 18 and we're undefeated in six. Again, is that an extreme positive? You know, for me, I'm looking at the two points we didn't get as opposed to the 16 points we did. And uh, again, maybe that's a negative uh, part of uh, my personality. Uh, maybe it's a strength. I don't know, but I want 100. percent I want to win every time I go out there. I have a passion for winning. I want to win. Ties and the losses only make me want to win even more. So, I think uh, if I had to t- talk about the Ford Fiesta and the machine and where it's at, I would say pro- probably we're we're sitting in an Audi right now and very very comfortable. And it's a, it's maybe a wee bit of a family luxury Audi, and we want to get out of that luxury Audi and get into a Lamborghini at some point. So, but we're we're cruising along in a wee bit more comfort. We're a, we're in a better place. We're uh, we're cruising at a wee bit of a higher speed in the highway, and uh, 
but yeah, we 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 want to shift gears to 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 really be something special. So our plan is to go into the second half of the season and try to win every game like it was the first half of the season. So incredibly happy with the guys. I think they they have been disappointed in the moments that they should have been disappointed. You know, we're going to keep striving to 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 yeah to to get wins for the city and get get wins for for one Knox and. Uh, but I think I speak on behalf of everybody involved in the club uh, when I say that, you know, our identity is the fans in this city. They are incredible. Uh, they've made this journey so special. The feeling that I get seeing those happy faces in the stands after a victory, to see the kids round about, being elated, to be in the, the soccer environment, uh, the parents bringing their kids along. And it's just, yeah, it's a, it's a dreamy situation. It's a fantastic situation. Uh, we're so lucky to have the opportunity to represent the city and hopefully we can make everybody proud in the second half of the season. All right, Mark. And I'll actually end on a, on a light note. I know you are a perfectionist and you are very demanding of your team. We have fans that have been following along on Twitter, on Instagram, on the Discord last night. We were chatting back and forth, trying to keep track of this ever-shifting squad because, as you explained to me at the beginning of the season, you're carrying something around 40 players at different points. There's names that are in that are out jeff markman who is a great supporter has has his own spreadsheet where he's tracking everybody so he can see how how to keep up with the names uh we were chatting about it this morning on discord uh how do you feel about the bonding with the team uh especially when you do have players like finn mcrobb seth Antwi, who have seen a lot of the field this season but then you have others uh, who, are, who are just coming in. Sunison, who's played two games. Montero, who's played a lot of minutes in the games that he has showed up for, but you're constantly rotating. How do you feel about the bonding and the, the integration of the players in the squad? Yeah, I think a big part of my job is trying to understand and realize um, the strengths and the weaknesses of everybody. A lot, obviously, I had a pulse on several and, and trying to figure out, you know, you talk about Finn, well, which players are going to compliment Finn? Uh, you know, what which players is he going to compliment uh, in terms of his style, his attributes? And then you try and fill in those gaps, and sometimes it works and sometimes it didn't. It didn't against Dalton, but it did against Tri-Cities. So we've got to take, okay, that scenario, that piece of the puzzle didn't work. Now, was it a case of because of the individuals? Was it a case of the bus journey? Was it a case of the, uh, the, the flow of the games? Was it a case of it was a... Don't know, there's many factors that you could consider into that. I think what I've asked the players in the last game is kind of where we're at right now. You know, do you understand yourself as a footballer, number one? And then do you understand the strength of the players that are around about you? For example, pose this question. We have James Thomas on the right-hand side the other night. He's playing with Stephen as a nine. He's playing with Maxi. He's playing with Benny. He's playing with Yannick. Now, a pass to any one of those players, which is all the players in his vicinity, could be remarkably different. For example, if he's playing with Benny, Benny's tendencies are going to be something extremely different from what Maxi's tendencies is, are going to be. And then another extreme difference would be Stephen, because they all have different attributes. So at this point, we're trying to help each other understand who they're playing with and what those strengths and weaknesses are you know, a pass into a space where if, if he has a, if we have a choice from Yannick playing into Benny to open up and run at defenders versus Max, the best option there would be Benny, right? Because Benny's mobile, he can change direction, he can go inside, outside, he's got a massive change of space and he's very intricate on the ball. 
Whereas Big Maxi is a he's a lot more powerful. He's good on the ball, but Max is somebody that you would play to go and join with. The same with Stephen. Probably are, are you going to put the, the same ball into Stephen as you're going to put into Sebastian? No, it's different. So trying to get the kids to understand, number one, their own strengths and their own weaknesses, but to understand the tendencies and the attributes of the players that they have around about them. And I feel as though that's starting to gel. And once that starts to gel and everybody gets it, then everybody can do each other justice. You know, everybody can help each other at that point. So I feel as though that's where we're at. That connection has, has been made now. There's an understanding there. And now again, we're just trying to push it forward. How do we maximize everybody's potential now? So again, the base has been built. Now we're going to try and take it as high as we possibly can. All right. Thanks, Mark. We look forward to seeing the rest of the season play out. Excellent, Brian. I appreciate you, brother. This episode is brought to you by Markman's. Markman's is a proud sponsor of the Knox Soccer Podcast and One Knoxville SC, located at 6932 Kingston Pike. Markman's has been Knoxville's choice for diamonds and fine jewelry since 1976. Visit markmandiamonds.com. As Brian said in Coach McKeever's interview, Jeff Markman is a thorough and data-driven guy. He's got a spreadsheet for all the One Knoxville players, and he's also got a spreadsheet, no, I'd say database, for all your diamond and fine jewelry needs. So when you're shopping for diamond rings, fine jewelry, luxury watches, Markman's is your place. Now back to the pod. Patty, I send you this dispatch from the futon in my guest room. I'm sitting here again the morning after. The One Knox flag hanging above me on my wall. An Everton flag across on the other side. I'm keeping my gaze as far away as I can from my surgically repaired bionic foot. What remedy do I have for the maladies I've been carrying this week, Patty? What else? Like Chinese buffet to a starving belly, one Knoxville fed a swell last night, delivering a platter of goals to culminate their stretch of four games away from home. Coming in tied for first in the league with Asheville, who have a game in hand and who, if you remember, bested one Knoxville in its season opener, the boys in cream had amassed seven points from 10. And the Bantams were no pushovers. These were last year's division champs. They had only one loss in 2021. Looking for blood after being bested by Dalton in their last match, they were out there to disrupt the McKeever train from rolling through and grabbing three vital points. I was nervous, Patty. I was sweaty. I was sitting on the back patio at a gender reveal party in Farragut, refreshing the Safari browser on my phone every five seconds, wondering why the heck the stream was not working. And then I see in the Discord, Stevie Wonder Afrifa had scored in the 11th off some kind of miscommunication between the back line and the keeper. I was in the car, two babies miraculously not screaming in the backseat when the stream finally kicked on. And in the 34th, Zion Andrade, the Brazilian maestro, hits a shot from distance that clatters off the crossbar. Then, who's there in the box to bring down the ball? It's the Wonder Boy again, a Frifa from close range, and it's 2-0 to the Knox at the end of the first half. Come second half, it was calmer, at least for me. I was at home, the laptop on, casting to the big TV in the living room. It was a battle out there, my friend. 
and Fernie Arias Sinclair, Seth Rottweiler Antwi were up and down the field, nibbling at heels. Afrifa was dribbling around the 18, up and down the attacking third like a capoeira dancer, probably had a third and a fourth denied. In goal, Peter Swinkles at one point had a terrific save off the post, and then when most teams bring on a couple of defenders to preserve the lead in hostile territory, gaffer Mark McKeever instead sends on the Bash brothers, King Seba Andreasen and big Max McNulty, who in the 78th minute combined for a golasasasso. McNulty taking the ball wide right and sending in a looping cross to the top of the six, what I'm calling the Seba zone. And if I had to pick the scariest place in the world for a defender to possibly be, it'd be right there as the big Norwegian towered over his man to Hulk smash the header in for a three-goal lead. The Bandams did pull one back to make it 3-1 at the final whistle, but the boys in cream emerged victors, and they will return as such on June 18th when they face Peachtree City at Maryville College. Three days later, they will take on Asheville, who won 4-1 at home to East Atlanta in their last match. As we speak, the Smoky Mountain rivals are tied at the top of the table with 19 points, and all signs are pointing to a very, very significant clash on the other side of the mountains on June 21st. And Patty, I think we're going to be there for that. So I'm excited, my friend. All right, that's all from me. Back to the rest of the pod. Phew. We covered a lot on this one. Thank you, dear listener, for sticking around for this mid-season review. Be sure to get your tickets for this Saturday's home match against Peachtree City at Maryville College. And if you've been wondering why One Knoxville SC is playing in Blunt County, tune in to our previous episode with Pepe Fernandez, head coach of Maryville College Women and Men's Soccer Program. It's a fascinating look into East Tennessee soccer. Don't snooze on Tuesday's away match to Asheville, June 21st. Hop over the mountain and join Brian and I as we cheer on the lads at the second matchup of the Smoky Mountain Series. And with that, we'll see you on the pitch.